The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today I'm, uh, I, I'm not having any guests. I'm going on one of my famous rants. Um, and I'm ranting about men and women behaving badly, the new epidemic. You know, um, there are so many people we could be talking about during today's show. Um, I'm going to touch on a few of them. We'll see how, how far we get. But um, there's Casey Anthony's runaway trial, Hugh Hefner's runaway bride, Anthony Weiner's runaway photos, Jackass Star's runaway car, and uh, Amber Portwood and her runaway anger, anger against others and anger against herself. And maybe I'll come up with some others along the way. But, you know, um, when, I first, when I wrote my first book, Bad Boys, Why We Love Them, How to Live With Them, and When to Leave Them, I... Uh, talked about a number of bad boys, you know, famous bad boys, and of course I, I analyzed 12 different types of bad boys. And um, and I, one of the reasons that I gave, I mean, of course, the main reason why boys become little boys become bad has to do with their relationship with their mother. And depending upon how it's dysfunctional, you know, which of the 12 ways uh, that sends them on a path to becoming one of the 12 types of bad boys. And I talked about also how the glamorization of bad boys in the uh, news, in the media, you know, whether it's Hollywood bad boys or political bad boys. I mean, at the time it came out, the hardcover came out in 97 and the paperback in 98. And, of course, that was around the time that Clinton was having his problems with Monica Lewinsky. So, of course, that was a lot of bad boy to talk about, but there were tons of athletes and, and, you know, numerous, countless bad boys to talk about as examples of how the media glorifies, glamorizes, and so on, these bad boys, which makes it more attractive to little boys or teenage boys growing up and uh, wanting to be uh, like these other guys who were getting away with it, or even adult guys, because I talked about how, um, when Clinton was in trouble, it gave the green light to a lot of adult men as well uh, to think that they um, it's okay for them to cheat. The president does it. So, so now, of course, since then, as you know, if you've been listening to this show um, recently, uh, that I've just come out with, well, actually, I recently come out with Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. And um, I'm happy to announce that the book 
just won the uh, best book at the Beach Book Festival and the uh, New York Book Festival in the self-help categories. So um, I was just there recently in New York to get the awards. So the thing is, though, that um, just like bad boys before them, the problem, of course, with bad girls, I and mean, of course it has to do essentially or at the root um, with their relationship with their fathers, the dysfunctional relationship that a woman has with her father that makes her feel that she's unlovable. And then she goes out, she starts to date, she grows up and starts to date, and she um, finds herself attracted to bad boys because it is, that's what made, that's what I talked about in the first book, that what makes a woman attracted to a bad boy in the first place is her dysfunctional relationship with her father. So then these girls go on to have these dysfunctional relationships with these bad boys, and they become all the more convinced that they're not lovable, and at some point they decide, consciously or unconsciously, that if they're not going to be loved by a man, that they'll at least get something else from him. Uh, whether it's uh, a gold digger who gets gold, you know, gets pampered, or whether it's a married woman on the prowl who gets a man who's willing to um, put up with her unavailability and so on. I, I defined 12 types of bad girls as well, the dozen dangerous damsels. And, um, and just like with bad boys, though, our culture, our society, has become obsessed, has become even more obsessed, with bad girls. I mean, I don't mean more than bad boys. They're probably, well, actually, in, in some ways, it is more obsessed with bad girls, but because bad girls are sexier. But, um, but, but what I mean is that it influences the women to become bad girls. Um, you know, that's the added, an added incentive, so to, so to speak, uh, in addition or on top of they're being set on this path by their dysfunctional relationship with their father. So, you know, the, it's really a, a growing problem. I mean, that's why I say the new epidemic of men and women behaving badly because it becomes self-perpetuating. The more people there are in the headlines, men and women behaving badly, the more consciously or unconsciously it filters down to everyone um, and gives them the green light, tells them it's okay to do these kinds of things to each other, you know, to treat to treat your partners really badly or to treat society badly uh, or to treat your little girl badly in the case of Casey Anthony. Um, so it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's a big concern because, because the reason why actually I wrote Bad Girls, besides the fact that when I was promoting bad boys, men would say to me, when are you going to write about bad girls? Um, and it's a book for men and women, but... But besides that, I mean, it, it's a, or why I wrote that was because it's a big concern to me that the dating jungle has gotten more callous, more wilder, um, colder, because the more people get their hearts broken, the more defensive they get and the more they feel it's okay to treat people, to break other people's hearts. Um, they don't necessarily you know, say that to themselves, well, my heart was broken, so I'm going to break your heart, although a lot of people are aware of that at some level, that that's why they're behaving the way they are. So this is an increasing problem, and that's why I want to talk today about some of these 
these men and women behaving badly, putting them on my couch for you today, analyzing them, so that you see that it's not all fun and games. It may look like it in the headlines or on the tabloid shows or... But really, these people are in pain, whether it's a bad girl or a bad boy, and they are heartbreakers, but they really have had their own hearts broken early on. And so it's not as much fun as it might look to someone just uh, hearing about, you know, or seeing how much attention they get for being bad. That's sort of the key, that it's not only is it glamorized and, and so on, but it's that these people are getting attention for all these bad things that they do. So let's start with Casey Anthony. Um, she is a bad girl. Um, she, uh, you know, what, what, what's most fascinating about that trial to me is the, what was brought up at the very beginning and which seems to be, you know, no one seems to be, or it's, it's in the background but it isn't really being given enough as much attention as it should be, although certainly with the defense um, talking now, you know, I, I presume they're going to be getting back to it. Uh, and that is the what her defense attorney talked about as far as her having been abused by her father and her brother. Now, I don't know, well, I don't know for sure about either one of them. I wasn't there. However, I can tell you um, that from both my observations of the trial and the history of Casey, it seems more than likely that her father did sexually abuse her, and I'll tell you why. First of all, at the trial itself, when you looked at Casey, um, while her attorney was talking about this, you know, mentioning the words her father abused her, and this, he was explaining that this is why she lied, um, because ever since she was a little girl, she was told to lie, she had to lie, to cover up her father's abuse, and perhaps her brother's. And, um, which of course makes perfect sense. It doesn't, I'm not, and certainly none of this is meant to excuse the fact that she may well have killed her daughter. But um, putting that aside for a minute, the question, I mean, that doesn't excuse her father for having sexually abused her if he did. And um, so the reason why I say that I think that he did is because, one, when you looked at Casey's face when her attorney was talking about this, when he said those words, um, her reaction was an emotional reaction that her face got flushed, she started to cry, her tears in her eyes, um, her, she had a pained look on her, on her face. She had the look of countless patients who I have treated who have been sexually abused. And when you bring it up, when you ask them about it, whether they were perhaps aware of it on a conscious level or not, it's that same deer in headlights flushed, tearful kind of look, like the secret is finally out. And, um, and that, that to me was not something that I think that she could have faked. And at the same time, at, soon after that, when her father was put on the stand, he was asked that question, of course, um, did you sexually abuse your daughter? And he denied it, but it was very interesting the way he denied it. First, he looked down 
Then he um, moved, tightened his lips in the kind of body language that signifies that a person doesn't want to talk, doesn't want some words to come out of their mouth. So they tightened their, their mouth, and they were holding something back, and that's exactly what it looked like he was doing. And um, in addition to that, um, something that really hasn't been coming out very much at the trial or at all um, was how the father, uh, well, I don't know at all because I haven't watched every moment of it, but certainly I have not seen that it came out, and if it did come out, it hasn't made a big splash, um, that he, the, her father, uh, made a suicide attempt in January after Kaylee had been found, after her body had been found, in December, and there was a suicide note, and it said um, he apologized for being a bad husband and a bad father, and of course it came out that he had been having an affair uh, with some woman, and that is a very obviously drastic step, which kind of goes along as well to the question of whether or not um, uh, he, he there, you know, the, the defense is putting up this idea that that Kaylee drowned and that Casey and her father covered it up. It does sort of beg that question as well as to why he might want to commit suicide a month after Kaylee's body was found. You know, what that timing is definitely very suspicious. So um, in my mind, there isn't a question that this man, Casey's father, knows something more than he is or has admitted so far at trial. And... Um, there are other reasons as well why why Kay, why Casey seems like a um, a woman uh, who um, would have been sexually abused, and that is because of her history with men. She has wanted attention from men from from countless different men. She has this drive, this this. Um, this need, this 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 compulsion, almost to to be to have some man giving her attention, uh, giving her affection, um, and and uh, you know that is very being promiscuous, and that is something that does happen frequently with women who have been sexually abused. That in fact. Um, they uh, either become promiscuous or they go to the opposite extreme and they become frigid. And so, um, so that is another, this is another symptom of a woman. In fact, I, I call them in my Bad Girls book, um, I explain that women who are what I call sex sirens, uh, who want to be admired sexually, who want a lot of men to want to have sex with them um, and to have sex with them, are are have typically been sexually abused, and the other type, the other extreme, um, the the sexual withholders, women who may also have been sexually abused and have gone to the other extreme where they're frigid. They use the promise of sex to to um, to lure men and exploit men, but they don't really want to have sex with them, uh, as or they don't. They don't, or they try to actually avoid having sex with them, whereas the sex sirens don't necessarily enjoy having the sex except for being being admired. So that's a great place to take a break. 
We'll be back with more about men and women behaving badly. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Explore the power and beauty in yourself and in others. Tune in to The Stacy Stern Show, enriching you. Every week, Stacy Stern will connect you with men and women who are living and working from a place of passion. Stacy's guests include successful authors, filmmakers, actors, experts, and leaders. You'll hear what inspires each of them, and you'll be turned on to great films, books, and new media. Tune in to The Stacy Stern Show, enriching you, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, putting men and women behaving badly on the couch. Uh, this seems to be the new epidemic. And I was talking before the break about Casey Anthony, uh, who I who may be a murderer, but and I believe that she's also a victim of incest, notably from her father. Now, the question is going to be whether Casey is going to take the stand. And that's an interesting, we're all, everybody wants to know that. And um, I don't know unless there's something new, some new event that happened today that I missed. So far, um, I have not, it has not been uh, been uh, announced that she will be taking it. But this is an interesting question because I think that she wants to take the stand. And the only way that she won't take the stand is if her attorneys essentially sit on her and tell her that it would be very damaging or it could be very damaging or it's not a risk to take, and they're very forceful about it. Because why will she want to take the stand? Because um, Casey, first of all, loves the media attention. She loves any kind of attention, just like she loved the attention from men when she was partying and trying to snag a husband. And also, in particular, she'll want to tell the world about her father and brother's molestation. I mean, the fact that the the defense counsel dropped that bomb at the beginning of the trial saying that they molested her and that that's why she she lied so much because she was taught to lie since she was a little girl, 
it seems like they have to have something further, something additional to back that up. And so if, and I think it would just be too delicious. Casey would not want to miss um, telling the world about what her, you know, the terrible things that her father and brother did to her so that she can get revenge on them. This may be her last stand, you know. I think part of her realizes that uh, she may well, if not be put to death, I don't really think that's going to happen, but, but the, she certainly may be sentenced to uh, life in prison. So this may be her last stand to tell the world um, just what they did. And, of course, it would be getting revenge on her mother for not protecting her from the sexual abuse. And, and all of them getting revenge on her father, brother, and mother for throwing her under the bus during the trial. Now, it is true that when little girls are sexually abused uh, by their fathers in particular, it could be anybody, but especially when it's within the family, um, they are taught to lie, you know, and the younger they are when they are abused, um, the more that gets uh, inbred in them that under certain circumstances it's okay to lie. And so, you know, murder certainly could be another circumstance where one would understand that you could believe it would be um, a circumstance where it's okay to lie to protect yourself. So so we, we, we're yet to, to see that. Just one more thing about Casey Anthony. It is really interesting that after all this time, after Kaylee, you know, died um, so relatively long ago, I mean, there was, there was enough time for the prosecution to put together a really good case. And it is kind of shocking. I mean, you know that one of the things I do is I'm a psychiatric expert witness. I've testified in tons of trials. I've been an expert witness in over 200, retained in over 200 cases, civil and criminal. And so I'm very familiar with these things. And I must say, in my experience, I was um, rather surprised if not shocked that the prosecution didn't do a better job of trying to prove when Kaylee died, how she died, um, because this this issue of uh, reasonable doubt, you know, the, there could well be one person, all you need is one person on the jury to think that there is enough reasonable doubt and uh, and Casey goes free or at least gets not first degree, but perhaps, um, you know, get second degree or manslaughter or something. So let's go to another man or woman behaving badly. Let's see. There are so many. Um, let's talk about Hugh Hefner. Uh, poor Hugh Hefner. I, I, <laughs> I feel sorry for him. Um, his bad girl dumped him at the altar just days before the wedding, after, you know, the whole wedding was planned and presumably paid for, and people were invited, all kinds of celebrities and people were invited, perhaps some people had even arrived uh, here from out of town, and here she calls it off at the last minute. Now, if you have never would have read my book, Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets, he would have known how to avoid becoming his ex-fiancé's uh, prey. Crystal Harris was the ex-fiancé, and she is a gold digger type of bad girl, but she was not only looking for the pot of gold at the end of his rainbow, but a gold record. What a coincidence 
right when she calls off, or right before she calls off the wedding, her record, right around the same time that she calls off the wedding, her record um, gets launched. Well, <laughs> silly girl, um, she thinks that now that she's gotten attention for the release of her first single, she doesn't need Hugh Hefner anymore. I mean, that's really why she got attention for it in the first place. But um, this is typical of what each of the dozen dangerous damsels do. They extract what they want from a man, and then they move on to their next prey. And it was really gross this weekend. It was supposed to be Saturday, the wedding. And this weekend, there are now pictures all over the Internet about her having, um, being in Las Vegas, having uh, Las Vegas or Palm Springs, I don't remember, but in a bikini, <laughs> in a bikini and a tiger print kind of cover-up, barely covering up, but um, how, how fitting um, for a bad girl, you know, perfect bad girl look. And having, she's, seeming to have a great time, but, you know, I think, Crystal, the joke is going to be on you because, yes, you're in today's headlines, but uh, how long do you think your fame or your attention is going to last when you're no longer the fiancé of Hugh Hefner? I mean, (laughs) these girls, (laughs) you know, her her song, I I heard... um, a, a uh, trailer or a part of her song, it's okay, but it's like a gazillion other songs out there. Some people were writing that it was like Britney Spears or like it sounded like um, we couldn't really tell what her voice was like because it was so um, oh, mixed, you know, there was so, it was put together in the laboratory, <laughs> in the music laboratory, you know, uh, with all kinds of alterations. Um, but in any case, it doesn't. I mean, the idea isn't so much whether her her career blossoms or fails. The point is that this, she knew she was going to do this all along. This was not a surprise. I mean, the first there was a rumor that they had a fight over the phone uh, the weekend before, and then then they said no. Um, and she was trying to say that it was because she, she didn't want the lifestyle because there were other women around all the time. Um, and, and then she said they, they, it was an amicable split. Yeah, right. I'm sure Hugh loved um, having it splashed across the, the world, the Internet, the media, that um, he was dumped. The Hugh Hefner, you know, his whole life has been about proving what a stud he is, even at his age. And uh, I'm sure he was thrilled that one of these girls, you know, um, dumped him at the altar just days before his wedding. That was just however you, whatever excuse you want to come up with, that was an awful, awful thing to do. If she wasn't, you know, this excuse of, oh, well, I realized that I really didn't want this kind of life where there would be other women around. Really, it took you up until a few days before the wedding to realize that? I mean, they'd been together and engaged for for a long time, relatively long time, and now, just a few days before the wedding, just when her, her record did come out, now all of a sudden she realizes she doesn't want other women around. I mean, come on. And that was a terrible, painful thing to do. You know, from, from my book, Bad Girls, I interviewed over 100 men who had been with, but who have had experiences with bad girls. And 
uh, their hearts were broken. <laughs> Even some of them who had had their experiences with bad girls years ago, their hearts are still broken. And I could hear the pain in their voice when they would talk to me. I did these three to four hour interviews over the phone and you could just hear it in, the, in their voice and in their description of the scene or scenes, you know, how, depending how long it took for their heart to be broken, um, how, how much pain they were still in. And I'm not saying that, you know, I don't know how madly in love Hugh was with her. Um, presumably, he liked her better than the others, you know, to marry her. But, but in any case, that kind of humiliation, no, nobody, no man, no woman deserves that kind of humiliation to be left at the altar days before the wedding when it's a public figure and you know that your whole image that you've been <laughs> building, trying to build, with an empire uh, and your life for for all these years is just crushed. I'm not saying that, you know, this is going to, he's never going to, the Playboy Mansion is going to go up in flames. And in fact, supposedly he was consoling himself with one of the other bunnies. <laughs> but come on, you know, that's a, that's a face-saving um, uh, move and it's also to try to make him feel better and not have such a broken heart and so on. But um, I don't think he's going to ever take this chance again of uh, of marrying, of committing to marrying someone else because of for fear that some other woman is going to do this to him. And whatever you think about Hugh Hefner being so much older than these Playboy bunnies and so on, whatever these you know ages, <laughs> love is love can be blind when it comes to uh, age as long as both people are over. <laughs> Over the age, I mean, um, uh, not that I recommend that people get married that young, but still, the point is, it wasn't. She she was an adult. She made this decision, and if she had if she had second thoughts, she should have told him about them way before they got to this point. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with her music career after this. I I don't hold out very much hope. Um. I think she's, the question is, when is she going to realize that she made a big mistake? Let's see. Who else? <laughs> It'll be a surprise. When we come back from break, you'll see who the next uh, men or woman behaving badly is that we're going to be putting on the couch today. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. <laughs> Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darlings, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, putting bad girls and bad boys or men and women behaving badly on the couch. This is the new epidemic. These are people who are getting tons of attention and being a terrible influence on other men and women um, who think that who now think that it's cool to treat other people badly, especially people that you're in a relationship with. So let's talk about. I was saying before we have countless. <laughs> there is a plethora of men and women behaving badly. Um, so let's talk about Anthony Weiner and um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And yes, I'm gonna we're gonna look at it from a different angle because I know you're probably sick of hearing about Anthony Weiner and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, but we're we're gonna be putting them on the couch and looking at them, you know, analyzing why they do what they do. Um, first of all, let's see. First of all, let me talk in general about this phenomenon of political men, men in politics, um, who screw up <laughs> by um, by wanting more tail. <laughs> um, why does this happen? Why are there so many men in politics, men in power, who do this? Um, you know, of course, there are there are male athletes who do this too, and it's actually a similar reason. Um, and male celebrity, you know, movie stars and so on. But let's let's just talk about politicians for right now, with Anthony Weiner and and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I had mentioned um, uh, Clinton before. The issue is that for all of them, something happened in their childhood that made them feel powerless, uh, made them feel little. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is, a, you know, a very um, illustrative or, or tangible example of this. Because when he was little, when he was growing up, he he actually was kind of skinny. And, you know, that old commercial or the saying um, that, that he would have boy, big boys uh, kick sand in his face. In other words, he was bullied. Um, and so that is what motivated him Plus, you know, his father was really tough, a tough guy, and all of this uh, motivated him to stop being little, stop being powerless, and become more powerful. And you have to, you know, you have to credit him for all of the discipline that it took for him to uh, work on bodybuilding. He, he really had an incredible routine that ultimately... Uh, built up all those muscles, and then he came to the states, and um, he 
got work as a superhero. And I mean, eventually he worked his way up and he eventually became a superhero. Again, this is we're ta- it's all about being big and all about power. And um, so that wasn't, being a superhero wasn't enough. He had to then become a super governor, <laughs> uh, the governator, as people say. Uh, he, wanted, he wanted a different kind of power, more power. Now, it really all comes down to the male genitalia, the male sex organ. It's men who are feeling little um, in, in various ways, but it comes down to them feeling little in terms of being a man. They're not man enough. That's how they feel. And so th- that is what drives them in the first place to get power. So, okay, Schwarzenegger went the root, root of bodybuilder, superhero, and then politician. But, you know, uh, Anthony Weiner, for example, you know, has been a politician for a long time. Uh, Clinton, of course, worked his way up through politics. And it's the same idea. It's that these are men who need to be proven, who need to keep proving to themselves and to the world that they are big, they're strong, they're powerful. So, since it all comes down to the male organ, <laughs> they're not feeling that that's powerful enough, of course they're going to also want to show that they are powerful men, big macho men, when it comes to uh, women, when it comes to conquering lots of women, more challenges. And so it's not really, I mean, it doesn't make it right. I'm not, you know, whenever I explain all of these things, from Casey Anthony to, you know, um, to, to uh, Schwarzenegger, I mean, um, Hugh Hefner's uh, fian- ex-fiance and all of this, I- I'm not saying that these things are right. I'm just explaining them to you, putting them on the couch and explaining it to you psychologically. Um, and, you know, yes, you can have a little more compassion for these people when you understand what's driving them, but no, it still doesn't make it right to cheat. Um, so, so with, um, with these politicians, you know, it really isn't a surprise that they need to prove themselves as big men with women as well as with all the votes. So we have Anthony Weiner, um, as one of the, as one of the latest examples um, but before I get into that, let, let me, I want to also talk about the other side of the story, which is that these men typically are, you know, certainly Schwarzenegger and Wiener, for example, were with women, um, or who, who are, are notable women in their own right. So, um, you know, certainly Maria Shriver, I mean, that's part of the attraction that she had for Schwarzenegger. Here he comes to America, and he, he winds up marrying someone from a distinguished American family, and a family with political power, by the way, <laughs> you know. Uh, he was already uh, getting that by association, getting that power by marrying his wife. Um, and and Anthony Weiner, his wife being... Um, uh, Hillary Clinton's right-hand woman, and so on. These are women who, and they're both attractive, and these are women who, um, who in some ways intimidate these men, intimidated Anthony Weiner, intimidated Schwarzenegger. And so a part of them, not only did they need to keep proving their own power, but a part of them didn't trust that these women didn't really feel good enough in a way to have these women. It's um, there was an insecurity 
about whether or not these women were going to stay with them or whether uh, at some point the women would realize that they were too good for them and they would want to leave them. Another example, um, not in politics, but Sandra Bullock and Jesse James, and it's the whole um, um, Oscar Best Actress Award where um, there's a whole history of women who win Best Actress at the Oscars go on to have their men leave them, particularly cheat and then leave them or the women leave them. I mean, um, Sandra Bullock and Jesse James, for example, we don't know what's going to happen with Natalie Portman, but um, but there were others. Uh, Hillary Swank was another example, Halle Berry. You know, it was too emasculating for the men to have their women be so... Um, adored, you know, and, and so uh, put on such a pedestal, it made them fearful that now the women were going to realize they were too good for them and they would abandon them. So what do the men do when they're feeling emasculated and scared of being abandoned? They go out and have sex with other women. Duh. <laughs> now, oh, again, doesn't this duh doesn't mean that it's okay, but it, it's sad. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for both. But obviously, it's the men in these cases who are, you know, who are doing the nasty deed. So, what's going to happen with Anthony Weiner? Okay, we now know, of course, that he resigned. Um, he couldn't stand the heat. He couldn't stand all the media attention, the media following him and uncovering more and more photographs. I mean, you know, <laughs> just talk about what I was saying before, how it all comes down to the male organ. That's a great example. I mean, he was sending his organ all over the Internet, trying to get, uh, trying to impress women. It was, he was being, he was actually being an exhibitionist. It was, he was being a virtual exhibitionist by doing that. Um, you know, because no, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't in a trench coat hiding in the bushes flashing women or kids as they walk by, but he was doing it in another way virtually on the Internet, which really, um, you know, how much less bad is that? Um, it was just kind of the cowardly way or the safer way of, of doing that. And, of course, why did he do it? He wanted to get all kinds of oohs and ahs from these women who he sent the photos to. And yes, he he <laughs> he should have learned how to use the internet better, and he wouldn't have gotten caught. At least not gotten caught now. He probably would have gotten caught at some point because he was really indiscriminate about uh, his emails. I mean, that part was it was almost he was almost begging to be caught because uh, all the different women who he wrote to, any one of them could have contacted the media long before this. And, and said what was happening, you know, or sent, just sent the trail of emails, which, you know, some of them eventually did do. So what is going to happen, though? Is his wife going to stand by him? Of course, she's kind of in a tough position because she's pregnant. I mean, um, of course, this has been humiliating. She's never going to be able to forgive him for tarnishing her first pregnancy with these sordid stories and this whole um, traumatic situation. The stress, of course, on her is going to, has been and is going to be awful. Um, it does endanger the pregnancy to have all this tremendous stress. Um, you know, is she going to, of course, the pregnancy would cause her to want to stand by him, being Hillary, having Hillary as her mentor, who Hillary, of course, stood by her man, um, that may influence 
his wife to stand by him as well. But um, unlike Bill, uh, Wiener has never been president. He's now unemployed, although I did read that he's going to get a million-dollar pension or something, so he's not actually going to be in a a soup kitchen. But um, what this guy needs, Anthony Wiener, is intensive psychotherapy, what they all need, (laughs) what all of these men and women behaving badly need and what they are least likely to get is intensive psychotherapy, although Anthony Weiner did say he was going to get therapy, and hopefully he is in daily psychotherapy because there have been pictures that have surfaced from college days uh, showing him in women's clothes and um, showing him in, a, in tight underwear. I mean, this is not something that just happened overnight and didn't just happen on the Internet. This is obviously a guy who's had problems um, with his sexuality and with relationships for a very, very long time. Uh, he didn't get married until he was 45. That's another clue that there was there were issues with relationships, committing to relationships. Um, so the answer there lies in his relationship with his mother, but I, at this point, nothing really has come out that I've seen about his relationship with his mother, but I can tell you, <laughs> that it must have been very dysfunctional. That is for sure. And, of course, um, Schwarzenegger, you know, what makes that so awful is how um, how this, how he could have let the housekeeper stay in the house um, with Maria, not knowing that he had fathered, that, that this woman's son was um, fathered by him you know, all those years of lies, uh, that, that part is just incredible. Not only the pain that that would inflict on Maria, but the pain even worse in a way, or equally bad, let's say, it's just different, is the pain that that's causing to his children. Because this woman was in their house, this woman was taking care of them, had duties, you know, family duties. And um, and now they know that their father let her do all these things, be part of the family, live and live or come to their house at least every day if she wasn't wasn't sleeping there, um, to be amongst them uh, for all these years while he knew that he had fathered a child with her. I mean that kind of betrayal and that lack of trust, especially for the girls. You know, it's going to affect. The daughters differently than the than the sons. It's going to affect all of them, all of the children terribly. We're talking about men and women behaving badly. The new epidemic, and um, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. 
And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about men and women behaving badly, the new epidemic. Where uh, We've been talking about um, some of the ones that have been in the news lately. Um, I wanted to, uh, to, oh, I was talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger's kids and how it's going to affect, well, all of them really to have trust issues for one thing. And the boys are going to be feeling really, um, bad for their mother and really guilty in a way, um, wishing that they should have, or, or feeling that they should have done something to protect their mother. I mean, obviously, um, you know, it's not this job of a child to protect a mother from the father's cheating, but they're going to be asking themselves, how come I didn't know this and, and how come I couldn't have helped my mother, protected my mother? And that's going to make them feel inadequate as men when they go off to have relationships. And for the women, of course, the girls, the daughters, um, they're... <laughs> Boy, you know, coming at a time in their life when they're dating and and uh, just starting to think about marriage and so on. I mean, if this if anything's going to scare them off marriage uh, or men, it's finding out that your father was cheating for all these years right in your own home. I mean, that's just gross. They would get into bed after Maria would leave. It's just gross. You know, it's one thing she knew, she had heard the rumors about him fooling around with women on the side and so on and groping and all that, which is, is not good, but it's, it's nothing, I mean, you, you, nothing really can, can get worse than, um, uh, I mean, I guess there's always something worse, but it's the worst, well, pretty bad to be having it under your nose in your house and having fathered a child that, uh, that you never admitted was yours. Now, one other thing, um, these women who are having the affairs with these men, like let's take um, this woman, Patty, who had the affair for all these years with Arnold. <laughs> Obviously, these are bad girls. You know, these are the women that I write about. And what's interesting is that they know, bad girls know, <coughs> excuse me, which men are sitting ducks. In my book, Bad Girls, I have in the first chapter a bad girl's test for women and a sitting duck test for men. And in the sitting duck test, it, it helps men to figure out how vulnerable they are to bad girls. And the bad girl test, of course, helps women to decide to figure out whether they're good girls or are man-eaters or somewhere in between. Um, but these these bad girls know which men are going to be most vulnerable to their exploitation, to getting what they want. And again, it's, you know, 12 different types, a dozen dangerous damsels, they each want something else. But whatever it is, 
they know which men are going to be vulnerable. And, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's such a great example, because even somebody like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you would think, you know, we were talking about his muscles, his being a superhero, his being a a big politician, governor, and all that, you know, a lot of women, or good girls in any case, might be intimidated by all of that. But a bad girl knows how to spot the man's weakness. And obviously, as I was saying before, his weakness was that he, even though he had all this outside, these outside accoutrements of being a big man, he was still that little boy who the bullies kicked sand in his face. (laughs) Uh, whose face the bullies kicked sand into. Um, and so, and, and bad girls are able to tell that, are able to tell which men need to be bolstered, their egos need to be bolstered, which ones are really feeling small and need to be made to feel like the biggest stud on the planet. Because each of the dozen dangerous damsels however else they, you know, whatever makes them tick and however they behave and why different kinds of men are attracted to each kind, still an underlying principle is that um, they make the man, the way that they hook the man and keep the man is by making him feel like the biggest stud on the planet. And so they look for, they have radar for the men who need that, who 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 where that's their Achilles heel, that's the way to hook them, that's what they're... That's what they're um, really craving, despite how cool and successful and attractive they may look on the outside. Now, I don't know. Um, I guess I know we're we're almost at the end here. Um, I was going to mention Amber Portwood. Uh, she made a suicide attempt recently. It's so sad. This woman is is hurting so bad, and uh, you know, and and the show. Teen Moms has really capitalized on it and made it worse. Um, you know, if it weren't for their video showing her hitting the baby's father, she wouldn't have gotten into jail and, and lost the baby and so on. And now um, she's committing suicide. Well, she attempted suicide. It's really a cry for help. And um, these, this show should not be on the air. It should be canceled. They, teen, teens are not ready to be moms no less ready to be celebrities, and it just becomes addictive, and their lives go even more out of control than adults' lives do, which is already pretty bad. Another sad story in the news, um, men behaving badly in another way, Ryan Dunn, the star of, one of the stars of Jackass, um, he, had, he was shown at a bar, he and, and, and a friend were in a car that... Uh, uh, was apparently going too fast and it crashed and they died. And, um, you know, of course that's tragic and sad, but it's also ironic because years ago when the Jackass show first came out, I was one of the people, um, going and talking in the media about how this show should, should not be on the air because, um, kids or, <laughs> and adults, um, do these things at home. You know, it's like, don't do this at home. Well, you may say that, but, but when people watch the show and see these stunts and so on, um, they do, they have tried it at home, and there have been people who have been hurt. And so it's kind of ironic that one of the people involved with this show um, got hurt himself by being a little too, uh, taking too many risks.
and, uh, you know, driving drunk. We don't know, you know, this is alleged. We don't know yet what his blood alcohol level was, but we do have pictures of him, um, and, and there are reports of his having consumed an incredible number of, of drinks right before getting in the car, and it was about 2.30 in the morning that this happened. Still tragic, still horrible, shouldn't have happened, but... Um, you know, again, it's it's there's a there's an irony there that a lot of people have been hurt uh, by this show copying, being being reckless, just like what happened to him. So, what's the bottom line? We all need to be a little bit more uh, concerned about our neighbors, our family, our friends. Um, we need to not behave badly. You know, there are so many problems in this world: the economy, terrorism. Uh, the, the natural disasters, I mean, you all know what kinds of problems there are, that really it's, it's time, more people should be waking up to the fact that it's time to treat each other more gently, more kindly, um, because we're all having to, to deal with a world that's getting, that's getting crazier as time goes by, and, and the only solution to this is to have a little bit more compassion for each other. So... Even though, uh, you know, these people have been behaving badly, and even though what they did, these examples that I gave weren't right, um, I hope you can have a little bit more compassion for people perhaps in your own life who are exhibiting some of these things, and maybe you can kind of help them to understand why they're exhibiting this bad behavior. Um, let me, uh, again, I want to remind my listeners that you can go to my website and opt in my badgirlsbook.com website. And uh, if you opt in, I will send you a complimentary bad girls test for the women and sitting duck test for the men. So go to badgirlsbook.com and uh, opt in, and I'll be happy to send you the test. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 